The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPel, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. We're presenting this series to educate you about the OA program and how it has worked for those who struggled with their eating and weight. In OA, we believe that compulsive eating is a disease that affects a person on three levels, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Thus, recovery must also occur in these same realms. We're devoting shows to each of these. Today, we will explore physical recovery and what that means in terms of weight, health, and vitality for OA members. We have three guests with us today from OA, all of whom have long-term success with stopping their compulsive eating and maintaining a healthy weight. Since anonymity is an important principle of our program, we'll only be using their first names. We'll begin with Charlene from Massachusetts. Welcome, Charlene. Hi, Naomi. It's such a pleasure to be here and talk to you. It's great to have you. I understand that you're maintaining a 90-pound weight loss for over 22 years? Yes, that's correct. Yes. It's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. It's great. So what was your life like before you came to OA? Did you always have an issue with food? Oh, yes, I did. I grew up thinking I was just so heavy, and yet looking back at pictures, I wasn't heavy until maybe late adolescence, early uh, marriage years, that's when I really began to pack on the, the weight. And do you have some examples of your obsession with food? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, re- I remember many different times when, uh, uh, when I had my children, when my children were young and they would go out trick-or-treating, which is, you know, this time of year, and they would come home with all their goodies and and leave the bags there, and I would convince them to leave the bags. I'll I'll sort it and make sure that everything in there is safe, and and uh, they could get into it the next day. And I would send them off to bed, and and the next day when they would have their treats, they would say, "Well, gee, I remember getting these. I remember the lady down the street gave me this, and it's not there." And all along, I had eaten it as I sorted their food, so it was. Uh, one of my amends that I think I needed to make to my children for doing that. But uh, so 
many other examples, too. Yeah, what are some other ones? Well, I remember um, using the excuse of needing milk, maybe, and running out to the convenience store and uh, and just getting getting some stash that I like to eat, you know, secretly, and it's... would sit in the car and eat eat, you know, just whatever it was that I bought, and then go home with my milk and say that oh the traffic was heavy the line was long whatever the excuse might be you know just to cover you know and i'm sure i couldn't hide the smell of the sweet stuff on my breath or the wrappers in the car which i had to get rid of later but uh but just those things you know making desserts for family and eating 99% of it myself you know that type of thing so it sounds like you had to also cover your tracks a lot and uh deal with not being honest with people in your life as a result. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the things this program has taught me is how to be honest. And and that's been, you know, such a blessing. Yeah. Tell me about the physical symptoms that came from your compulsive eating and your compulsive behaviors around food. Well, when my my weight started to, to go up, uh, when I first came into OA, if I may clarify first, um, I had about 50 pounds to lose, and I did lose that my first year. And then I um, didn't understand this program as the terrible disease that it is. So I began eating again and had such a hard time to stop. I was in a relapse for quite a while, and my weight ballooned up. I gained that 50 pounds back plus an additional 40. So needless to say, what it did to my physical being was I had sleep apnea, which I did not find out I had until after I had lost all my weight. I had high blood pressure, bone spurs in my knees and my feet. I used to have to get injections. I've had foot surgery on both feet. I have osteoarthritis today, and, you know, that's due to the weight, the excess 90 pounds that I carried. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just just awful, awful physical, yeah. physical ailments that hurt me. So they must have affected your life in all kinds of ways um, besides the extra weight um, being um, emotionally difficult to carry. You know, it sounds like your um, your physical mobility was affected as well. It was. It was. I can remember uh, incidents where, you know, on a on a plane ride, feeling just squashed into that seat and just barely getting the belt around me. Or I remember one time going to a, a, a theme park and attempting to go on a ride and being stuck in it where I couldn't, you know, stand up and get out of the seat, which was just so embarrassing. And just before I surrendered to this wonderful program again, I uh, had been carrying in groceries, and I had to make I don't know how many trips. And after the first two trips, uh, because no one else was home at the time, I just stopped and sat at my kitchen table and put my head down and cried because I was so miserable and hurt so bad, my legs, and just heavy breathing because of the exertion from from trying to carry in groceries at, you know, 90 pounds heavier. So, yeah, it took its toll on me. Yeah. How so how long how long did you struggle with being overweight like that before you found OA? Well, I was 
as I said, not really overweight as a child, but my mom was uh, was overweight and was always on diets or whatever. So I'd say early teen years, I can remember her always commenting on, uh, you know, how to wear my clothes so it would be um, not quite as revealing, you know, shirts on the outside, uh, loose-fitting pants, just all the, the different little hints. And I remember going to a doctor for a diet uh, for a shot back then when, you know, I'm talking, this is many, many years ago, when we had no idea what these diet pills or these diet shots were. But yeah. that's, what, that's how desperate I was and my mom was, and she felt I, I just can't imagine doing that to a child today, you know. <laughs> and uh, But we were desperate. We were desperate. Yeah. Did you find that the excess weight you were carrying was a protection from you for you from getting close to others? Um, I think it was in a way. I, I think it was. I can't think of any specific um, feeling other than, oh, dear. I don't know. I honestly don't know because I always dressed becomingly. You know, I, I tried to stay in fashion as best I could in a size 22, you know, and today I'm, I've been wearing a size 12 for, tw- you know, over 22 years. And so... So I can't actually remember what yeah. what it felt like for that weight to um, keep me, you know, in that cocoon. Yeah. Um, so when you came into OA, um, how how did you handle a plan of eating that was different than what you'd done before? You probably tried other things to lose weight in the past. Oh, definitely, definitely. I. Uh, as I said, you know, I started learning about diets as a young teenager, 13, 14 years old, and uh, so I tried every diet that was out there, every fad, every pay-as-you-go plan. Uh, you know, I just tried everything, everything, but every time I would lose weight, and I would be great at losing weight, you know, I used to say, I'm a professional dieter. I can lose weight whenever I want to, but it was keeping it off. And mm-hmm. and that was the trick. The minute I got to a goal weight, it was like my license to eat again. And one of the things this wonderful program taught me was how to have a plan of eating that I could live with, you know, a day at a time. That I can, you know, I I plan my meals and I stayed with it. And that was my first day of a 24-hour span of not eating at will, just, you know, committing my food to a sponsor after planning it and then staying with it. That was the biggest gift I think that I could have ever received because that's not anything I had ever done before. You know, I had always said, oh, I can do this or I'll do this Monday, and I never followed through on anything. Mm -hmm. So that first 24 hours of following through on something like this was amazing. You know, it was just such a relief. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it was just that it was such a relief. You know, it was like yeah. I had lost a hundred pounds in that first day. Yeah. Did you do you think that that first twenty four hours um, having a sponsor to be accountable to about your food made a difference? Most definitely. Most definitely. Because in the past, you know, I didn't have to be accountable to anybody but myself. But when I realized that I did need to be accountable to myself, to a sponsor, and to my higher power, it was, you know, it was really, 
I think the, all the glue that held it together, you know, yeah. in doing that helped me tremendously. And you, you mentioned earlier that you had a relapse, um, like you came into OA and then you had a relapse. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you find your way back? Oh, uh, well, I think I remembered the one thing that uh, I know we stress at all of our meetings is to keep coming back. And that was in the back of my mind, no matter what else I wanted to try and do after after I was in my relapse, I would think about it, but never follow through on trying something else, because I would always come back to, OA is the only thing that's going to work for me. I've tried it all. Why do I think something different would work? And this was the only, only plan that ever worked for me. It taught me how to live with myself and to be honest with myself. And it wasn't until I learned about this being a killer disease, learned about the steps, and surrendering my will to a higher power that uh, I was gifted with that second recovery and, and uh, came out of the relapse. So today I do I identify myself at meetings as a relapse survivor. Oh, interesting. Do you find that a lot of people, well, let me ask you this. Did you find that that experience of relapse actually strengthened your program once you came back and recovered? Yes, most definitely, most definitely, because it made me realize that what this program is for me is truly a gift. And that first year before I uh, went into that relapse, I didn't take it as such. I took it as... I'm doing this, uh, you know, I just thought I, I was still in control, and I learned very quickly that I wasn't in control. And when I came back and was gifted with that second recovery, it was it was just amazing. It was just wow. amazing. I know today for a fact that it's a gift, and I thank my higher power every day for that gift and ask for just one more 24-hour period to, to continue. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't think I know or anyone knows what we have coming tomorrow. Very inspiring. It's time for us to take a short break, so we will continue with Charlene after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. 
Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Charlene about her physical recovery and her program. Um, so, Charlene, tell me what it was like for you when you got to a healthy weight and you were able to maintain that. Did, did you find yourself afraid of having a slip? I think I really did. I think my relapse gave me a real healthy fear of what this disease can do to me because, you know, that relapse, I gained 90 pounds back after only losing the 50. So I know if I had had a slip and went into a deep relapse again, who knows how much weight I would gain back. I I don't think there would have been any stopping me. And as I said, the healthy fear I still carry day to day, knowing that I have to respect it. I have to respect that disease. How has your health improved since you found recovery? Oh, uh, I just feel like I'm getting younger instead of older. I've been in program <laughs> uh, 32 years now, and I ha- I just feel like I have more energy today than I ever had 25 years ago, you know, when I was in that relapse. And I can walk upstairs. I can, you know, take good long walks because I had the willingness to go through the foot surgery that I needed to correct uh, the damage I had done. And it took a couple of years of recovery on my feet, but now I can walk. I can. I have uh, uh, very slight high blood pressure today, and that's only a precautionary measure that I do still take a medication. I um, still have the sleep apnea, according to my doctor, but that's, I guess, damage that was done, you know, by carrying the weight. But I feel fabulous. I, uh, you know, just feel like... My 30-year-old counterparts, and believe me, I'm a lot older than 30. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your relationship with your body and your body image now that you've been in recovery for so long? Well, I think I... I have always been a, a shopper, <laughs> clothing shopper, and that's one of my compulsions that uh, I had to, to watch because I just felt so great about being in the same size and the same body from just one season to the next. And the fact that I can go in the closet and pull something out that I hadn't worn in maybe two or three years and just know in my heart that it's going to go right on, you know, and fit, that that was, that was incredible feeling that. And um, I feel better about my body image. Of course, I do still have my days when, when you know, I have my little doubts, you know, but then I, I keep forgiving myself because I said, well, you know, I've been in this body many years, so... And I did a lot of damage to it. So the little bit of stretching, the little bit of, uh, you know, sagging or whatever it might be are all, you know, parts of my body that today I've learned to love where years ago I hated it and I wanted, I wanted it gone. Yeah. But, fantastic. You know, but today my, uh, my programs taught me to, to love myself and to love my body. Yeah, you know, we we often talk about recovery, as I mentioned in the in the introduction, um, about being a three legged stool: physical, emotional, and spiritual. And that if any one of those is out of balance, then your recovery, your abstinence, might be compromised. So, do you see this as true for you in your life? Oh, most definitely, because of the fact that I think for all my young life and into adolescence and early uh, adulthood. It was all about the physical part of it, 
so when I look back on it now, it's it's kind of like if I was sitting on that stool, it was almost like sitting on a ped, uh, a pogo stick or something like that, would trying uh-huh. to balance and keep that balance because I'm just on that one leg. And that would that was virtually impossible. So this program in my second uh, gift of recovery taught me the other aspects of it, the emotional. Uh, I take care of myself. I share how I feel. I do have a little bit of professional help now and then. And then the spiritual part was the biggest gift of all. And, you know, it, I had always been in a uh, formal religion, so I thought I was spiritual, but this program taught me that I really wasn't. So today I have a wonderful spiritual connection, and today I feel that all three of the legs are, are even, and that really does uh, help me to have a true balance to my program and know that as long as I keep those three legs even, you know, that I will be able to continue to recover. Wonderful. Just an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing with us, Charlene. Oh, you're certainly welcome. All right. Um, next, I want to, I wanted to make sure to get some OA members from outside the U.S. on the show so our listeners realize that OA is men in many other countries, about 80 now. So now I'd like to welcome Anna from Costa Rica. Welcome, Anna. Hello, Naomi. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. So in your case, you were already at a healthy body weight when you came to OA, but your relationship with food wasn't healthy. So tell me a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. That is something very important because then they, there might be many people that are thin and they look good on the outside, but they have problems with food. And I was one of them. Uh, what I did to maintain a healthy, a healthy body weight was to do a lot of exercise, mm-hmm. to combine binging and purging, and also to do crazy diets. So I was normal, but I was completely obsessed with food and practicing a lot of compulsive eating behaviors. Yeah. Do you have some examples of some of those, um, of your obsession with food or your behaviors that you would do? Uh For example, I used to eat a lot at night. Um, The evenings were a a difficult time for me. So I used to come home and eat a lot of carbohydrates. And then I used to go out walking. It could be maybe a time at night, which was a little bit dangerous. For me, but I didn't care. I didn't care about the dangers of walking along uh, late at night. I needed to burn the calories out. Yes. So what I did, I used to walk a lot, a lot. Then I came home and I could go to bed uh, because I was sure that I, I did spend those calories away. Yeah. And another example is that I used sleep a lot during a weekend. So during the weekdays, I used to eat uh, very little. So I had the right to eat a lot during the weekend. Ah, I see. Did you, did you find yourself getting tired during the week because you were eating so little? Yeah, I used to feel tired. I used to feel like weak, but I had to do it. 
in order to keep my weight. And if I had, let's say, a, a bench during the week, so sometimes I used to go uh, vomiting or to take laxatives or to do, or, or walking mm-hmm. a lot or doing a lot of exercise. And also I used to eat fruits during two or three days in a row to eliminate the, the excess of food. Yes. So I I could keep a, a good um, body weight. Right. Did you have other physical symptoms since you weren't overweight? Did you have any other physical symptoms? Um, we talked about the weakness when you weren't eating. What about um, symptoms related to the purging um, or to the laxative abuse? Well, I think I didn't go too far on my purging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew people who had serious health issues because of their purging. But in my case, I did it for a while and I got scared. So I stopped and then I had a relapse. So what I had was more the constipation and uh, stomach aches, a lot of stomach aches because of the excess uh, eating. But with the other part of purging, it wasn't that bad because I got really scared. And so I stopped. But then I went back to these kind of behaviors. Yeah, so eventually you would go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did all these symptoms affect your daily life? I was very irritable. And one of the things I did was to become, was trying to become an expert on nutrition because I wanted to control my food. So I became a, a controller on other people's eating too. I was very difficult to live with because I tried to pretend to know everything about food and nutrition and to tell other people how they had to eat. Uh, but the thing is, I was out of control on my own food. Interesting. And it happened, yeah, and it happened when people weren't looking, you know, <laughs> weren't looking, excuse me. To me, when I was by myself, especially at night, or when I was cleaning up the kitchen, and so it's when I did that um, eating in excess. Yeah. What did, What did food and eating give you that you weren't getting in other areas of your life? What it gave me was a sense of comfort. I felt like something warm inside, something like. I could hang on when, whenever I needed. Mm-hmm. And another thing is, in times when I was bored, for example, in a social event, and maybe I didn't like it, or maybe I was feeling lonely, or I didn't have anyone to talk to. Yes. So eating was a, a feeling of, oh, I am with somebody, you know, like to feel some company. And also when I had, uh, I was sad, well, it was a way to turn. Right. And another example is when I was under a lot of stress. Uh, so eating, especially sugar, I am a sugar, uh, sugar addict. Mm-hmm. And it gave me like energy. I felt like I could, I could feel better and overcome stress if I had a lot of sugar in my body. Ah, I see. So at what point did you realize that you really had a problem with your relationship with food and you needed to do something different? 
at the age of 21, when I was um, purging and binging and purging, I knew I wasn't normal. I knew that I had a problem, but I didn't know how to, to resolve it. I went to, uh, to see a psychiatrist, and I was in therapy for several months, and she tried her best, but she didn't know about food addiction or compulsive overeating. And she gave, used to give me nice pieces of advice that it didn't work. Like, she used to tell me, oh, you only had to, uh, to have a, two cookies, just two. Uh, I only have one cup of tea and a couple of cookies for me all. And it worked for her, but I, I needed to have the whole package right. of cookies. You know, it didn't work for me. I tried so hard. And she used to say, but at least you're not an alcoholic. Alcoholics have a harder time to to get better. And I, I was thinking, no, I am like them. It even worse because I can, have, I can have food everywhere. Right. And so it didn't work. It worked in other ways, but not for my compulsive eating. Yeah. Um, Oh, um, we have to take a quick break, Anna, and then we will come back and we'll uh, finish talking about that. Okay? okay. Yep. All right. Thanks. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We'll be right back. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories. I took pills. Eating and eating and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that... I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to the show. We're talking with Anna in Costa Rica about her recovery from compulsive eating in OA. So, Anna, you were telling me before the break that you had been seeing a psychiatrist and what, or a psychiatrist or psychologist? It was a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, yeah. and, and the things she was recommending just didn't work for you. So, um, how did you end up finding OA? Well, it's a long story. I read a book when I was 23 years old. I, I read a book, a self help book. Mm-hmm. And 
one chapter Dior talks about uh, food addiction and, and she mentions OA. It was in Spanish. Uh-huh. So in that moment, I knew that there was some hope for me, that there was something out there. And it was in the late 80s, so no internet in those times. Uh, so at least I knew that something in another country far away from mine was there to help people like me. But it, it, I had to wait like three more years when I was 26 to find OA. And it was through an article in the in a newspaper. But there is another time before when I tried to start a, a self-help, self-help uh, meeting for food addiction. But then I found OA, so we became part of OA, and it's how I started my recovery. Ah, excellent. So uh, when you came into OA, um, how did you handle a plan of eating um, that was different maybe than what you tried before? Well, the difference was I had to commit my food with someone else. I had to tell my sponsor, what we call sponsors, uh, people who we have a, a closer relationship and we talk about steps, our, our recovery process, and also about food. And with this sponsor, I used to call her every day to tell her my food. So I had to stick with my plan of eating and it had to be balanced, or less balanced. And in those times, I didn't have clear boundaries of what was right for me or not, but I knew that I had problems with sugar and other carbohydrates. So I tried to, to eliminate them, and I did. Eventually, I did um, eliminate some foods that were, were, weren't good for me. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a great help to be accountable for what I was eating. I had to be honest. And honesty is a major part of our recovery process. We have to tell other people what we eat and what we are in order to recover. Yes. Did you find you described yourself as before as a sugar, you had been a sugar addict. Did you find when you gave up sugar that you kind of went through a withdrawal period? That's right. I remember I I felt cold, like colder. Oh. A bit weaker. I felt like yeah. I don't know. I can't describe. My temperature was down. Is what I can say. I was down too. And but it it didn't last for too long. Maybe for several days. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. It happened so long ago. But it was like that feeling of being cold and weak. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find yourself, once you were in recovery, were you afraid that you would kind of go back to your old ways? Absolutely. I remember, because I was chubby before coming to program, I lost my weight because of compulsive eating behaviors like purging and, and binging and exercising. But then I was eating the same normally or more like it was more balanced, and I was afraid that I would get fat again. Mm-hmm. So I had to continue coming back to program. I had some relapses in the first five years, 
And um, but then what helped me was to keep coming back meetings, to keep working with sponsors, to keep using all the tools with the, we have. Uh, but in those times, I was afraid to get that. And in my thinking, uh, it was the idea that I was saying, but it was something temporary. That next month or the next year, I will get fat. Mm. So it was. I was always afraid. Not now that I feel like okay, I am saying I like how I, I look. But it's because of OA. It's because I keep working my program every single day of my life. That's why yeah. I, I have this physical recovery. And so you don't really have the fear so much anymore like you did before. That's right. As long as I keep working the program. Yes. And how has your health improved since you found recovery? Oh, my digestion is good. It's fine. And because I came into program when I was young. Mm-hmm. I was 26. So I didn't have to suffer a lot of consequences of compulsive overeating. And that's why I didn't notice like a huge difference in my health. The difference is with my digestion that is, is it's okay. Yeah. It's worth time. Yeah. That's now great. I have all that, all the health issues, but it's, it's not related to food. Right. What are some of the things you do on a, every day to make sure that you keep your abstinence? First of all, I pray in the mornings. I I renew my commitment to abstinence every single day because it's a gift. Uh, but in order to keep this gift, I need to do my part to appreciate it. I always compare abstinence uh, as like a diamond. A beautiful diamond that has been given to me. Oh. But to have a, a diamond, you need to take care of it. Yeah. You need to guard it. You need to put it in a safe place and, and to give it priority because that diamond can be stolen or can fall into the floor and that's it. So I need to take care of my abstinence, of this beautiful recovery, because we have been talking about physical recovery, but also my life has improved in my relationships in, in general. It's, it's more, it's wonderful. You know, the results of working this program are absolutely marvelous. And so every day I pray, I work, uh, I use, our tools like literature, uh, phone, making phone, phone calls, emails, doing service, using a sponsor, helping others. It requires maybe an hour a day. Mm-hmm. It depends. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but an average of hour a day to, to do some um, part of our program. But it allows me to have a fulfilling life. Yes. Oh, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much, Anna, for for uh, talking with us and joining us on the show. You're very welcome, Mary. Have a Thank great you. day. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. All right. Our last guest on today's show is also from outside the U.S., Karen from Ontario, Canada. Welcome, Karen. Hi. Good How are you? I'm good. So glad to have you. 
Um, so tell me first a little bit about your weight loss and how long you've maintained a healthy weight. Um, so I, I came into Overeaters Anonymous 23 years ago, and I weighed around 210 pounds, but I actually stopped weighing, so I didn't really want to see the truth. So perhaps I weighed more than that. And I've lost just over 50 pounds, um, you know, I guess in the first couple of years. Um, and, you know, back then we didn't have email. <laughs> so it was, you know, I would phone, you know, I worked out a food plan with my sponsor and I followed that plan and I didn't weigh and measure my food. I just, there, there was a big difference because I was eating three meals a day with life in between. And before I got here, I just ate one meal a day that pretty much started in the morning and finished uh-huh. when, I, when I went to bed. <laughs> so I was eating all day long. So it was a huge difference. And, my, and those meals ended up actually being fairly big, but, but it's the fact that I wasn't eating all day long yes. that, that I lost weight. And then gradually, as I started to feel better, I would cut more more. The, the meals became more of a normal size. And um, so it was a process for sure. And I'm also, uh-huh. like the previous person, a sugar addict. That's my drug of choice, I like to say. So I, I knew that, you know, there were certain binge foods I could no longer eat. So, and I still, and I haven't, and it's been 21 years that I've been abstinent. I struggled for the first two and a half years. So had some relapse. But in the last 21 years, I've been abstinent, free from compulsive overeating. It's such a miracle, one day at a time. Congratulations. Um, so... You said you that you were a sugar addict, and, and um, Anna had talked a little bit about what it was like for her to give up sugar. What was it like for you and, and other binge foods as well? Like that first 24 hours that you made it without eating your trigger foods, how was that for you? Um, well, like it was definitely a long time ago, but I remember my sponsor at the time would say, it just she just really had me focusing on like one day at a time and break it up, you know, like one hour at a time, one minute at a time, and you know it's, I wasn't doing it alone because I had the support of my sponsor, and um, she she used to say to me, well, if if you really want sugar, I'll bring it to you tomorrow, but let's just focus on today, which really was a trick because once I got through the day and felt good, I didn't want the sugar the next day, and the sure. day kept yeah. adding up, and I was having a lot of t- physical issues with all the sugar I was eating, you know, trouble sleeping, and uh, like headaches, just a lot of headaches, a lot of bowel problems, and um, so things started to improve fairly quickly. I mean, there is a withdrawal process to go through. It doesn't take that long, really, but uh, I just started feeling better. Yeah. Did you have other physical symptoms as a result of your, um, as a result of your overweight? Um, My knees. I still have trouble with my knees, but that's because I'm getting older. So, but just, yeah, just the weight gain, yeah, there were definitely physical symptoms. Um, The weight, just even, just not even be able to fit into my clothes. I mean, at one point in my life, I had like two things that would fit. And I wouldn't buy Mm. any more new clothes because I was going to lose the weight, but I never lost the weight. And it really led to a lot of low self-esteem. I just did not feel good about myself at all. And just, I guess I just, even when I got here, I just didn't believe that the recovery was for me somehow, you know, that I didn't deserve it. So, but I found out that I did. But I had to be, (laughs) you know, I had to be in enough pain um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually to really move forward. You know, I really had to hit, hit a bottom where I was like, enough of this. 
and really surrender to the program, which is why I had that two and a half years of struggling. But I guess I needed that, you know, to really move forward. Mm-hmm. And what do you think um, the compulsive eating was giving you that you weren't getting in other areas of your life? Did you ever gain some insight into that? Um, yeah, the food became like... I mean, I grew up in one of those dysfunctional families, so I had some trouble growing up and adapting to life on life's terms. And the food became a coping mechanism, some sort of comfort. It became my friend. And I guess, you know, obviously it sort of crossed the line and became an obsession, and I couldn't stop it anymore. Uh, Even when I wanted to stop it, I couldn't stop it anymore. But it was almost like it was my solution. It was somehow going to make me feel better. And maybe for a minute it did. (laughs) But then mm-hmm. it didn't anymore, and then I couldn't just I couldn't stop it. Yeah, and you talked about um, hitting bottom and uh, realizing you had to do something. So, what was that like? Like, when did you realize that there was just something really not right here? That it was more than being simply overweight. Um, it. it I still remember the night that I hit bottom because I was already in the fellowship at that point. I had been here, um, so basically 21 years ago when I got abstinent, it was May of 19, uh, sorry, September, I was actually Friday, September 13th, 1991. I was at a retreat. <laughs> wow. And the night before the retreat, I just, I mean, I had two young children and like six months old and three years old. And I just remember feeling like I'm not a good mom, like I'm just not present. You know, and I just, I realized how much my, my compulsive, because it took a lot of time, it took a lot of time to buy the food, eat the food, hide the evidence, because I didn't want anyone, there was a lot of sneak eating going on. And so my whole life was involved with this obsession, with this, with eating. It was all about eating for me. I didn't really care too much about relationships. It was all about the food, because it really had become, unfortunately, it had become my higher power. And so the night when I realized, like, this isn't just about me. This is affecting my relationships with my husband and with my friends and with my children. And I was almost at the point where I thought, you know, these kids might be better off with, with someone else. So it just really, really hit me. Like, I just wanted to change. I wanted something different. I wanted something better. And yeah. when I surrendered to the program, just from day one, I just kept taking it one day at a time. And I just did what I was told because there was, you know, your sponsor will give you directions. People in the fellowship will tell you you know, what they did to get better, and I just did it, and I, I didn't look back. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Um, it's time for us to take a short break. Okay. Uh, you're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm Naomi LaPel. Stay with us. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat 
Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with Karen from Ontario, Canada, about the role physical recovery from compulsive eating has played for her in her recovery. Um, so, how has your health improved since finding recovery in OA? It's definitely improved. I mean, I mean, I don't get the headaches. I actually put myself through a barium enema back in those days to find out why I was having all these bowel problems. I mean, when I stopped eating compulsively, those problems went away. Wow. The thing is, I never actually told any of the professional, you know, doctors, you know, the way I was eating, so they couldn't figure out really what was going on with me. But when I, st- when I started following my, you know, abstinent food plan, a lot of these physical problems went away, you know, lost weight. I, I just... I just feel younger and healthier, and then I'm 52, and I feel so much younger. I just, yeah, it's just great. Um, I'm trying to think. When you got to a healthy weight and you found you were able to maintain that um, in your OA program, what was that like for you? Yeah, actually, it felt great. I never thought I would be able to lose the weight, you know, and, and I guess that really, I tried not to focus too much on the physical recovery. I mean, I followed my plan of eating, and eventually I started exercising, cause that, and I still do, to take care of myself, but my focus was more on let's, let's build a relationship with my higher power, because that's the real solution here, and do what my sponsor suggests with working through the steps, and yeah. the weight just sort of took care of itself. I didn't have to control it. I mean, that was my concern, was I was going to try and control it. I mean, I used to, before the fellowship, before I got here, I used to go on different diets, and if I, my diets always had to start on a Monday, that was my crazy thinking. So if I lost, you know, if I lost track of the diet midway through, then I would allow myself to binge until Sunday night at midnight, because the diet was going to start on Monday. (laughs) It was a lot of, a lot of craziness. The other thing is, um, five years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I truly believe that, I mean, cancer runs in my family, so I'm, I'm not completely surprised I ended up with cancer. But because I was abstinent and in this fellowship, I got through that whole, you know, the operation and the, you know, the, the uh, radiation and everything that I went through, the medication, just so much better. The fellowship really, really, really carried me through it. So, in fact, when I started on the medication, the oncologist was telling me that one of the big side effects is weight gain, and I didn't want to gain weight, so I'm like, do I have to go on this medication? I don't really want to gain any weight. He doesn't know, you know, who I am, that I'm in this fellowship. And uh, he said to me, well, would you rather be cancer-free or would you rather be thin? And I jokingly said, well, I'll get back to you. But, of course, you know, I have to take the medication. And so I've been on this medication for the last few years and, of course, aging and, and starting to go through menopause. And those are factors that will affect weight. And so um, I have gained a couple of pounds in the last few years due to those factors. But, I'm, you know, I know that I'm still abstinent. I'm, I'm you know, in touch with my sponsor on a regular basis. I'm on my knees praying every day, asking for help. 
and, you know, these things will resolve themselves. So I'm just, I don't think I would have gotten through that whole cancer thing if I was in the food. I would have had, the food always caused me another problem. I used to think it was the solution, but it just was another problem. I still had the problem, and then when I ate, I had another problem. It it, it never worked. (laughs) Yeah. What did you, uh, did you find that your relationship with your body or your body image changed once you were in recovery? Yes, absolutely. You know, just I, I can relate to the the first speaker who was talking about that. You know, I just I love myself as I am today. You know, it, it imperfect. It, you know, it, I just love myself the way I am. And you know, I remember, um, and my sponsor has me do like positive affirmations because we all, I think we all can struggle with body image. You know, depending on what's going on in our life. But mm-hmm. but I just I do if I have to I'll do step work about it and pray about it, but I just have to trust the process, and I definitely feel better. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you do every day to make sure that you keep your abstinence and and maintain a healthy weight? Well, the first thing I do is when I get up in the morning is I get right on my knees and pray. I really like that position of humility, Um, and I ask my higher power for help. You know, I don't take any of this for granted, right? It's a gift, and and I have to do my part. So I ask, I ask for the day of abstinence. Um, I, write out, uh, I write out my food. So I physically write it out. Some people email their food or call their food in. I'm not doing that at the moment, but I have done that before. Um, I go to meetings. I do a lot of service because, I mean, one of the things we have to do really, we can't keep what we have unless we give it away. So I'm always doing service, talking to members and helping other people. This is such a good feeling. So, and I mean, and I am, you know, emailing with members. That's pretty much a daily thing now. Mm-hmm. Do you sponsor other members as well? Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, quite a few, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about um, the balance between physical, emotional, and spiritual, and, and how you handle it if you feel that one of those three areas might be out of balance. Um, yes, I, they always say the food is the last thing to go. So if I'm, you know, struggling with food choices, then I know that I've, I've got to work on my spiritual and my emotional recovery. So I'll usually make a phone call to my sponsor. Perhaps I'll write a dear God letter. I choose to call my higher power God, God as I understand God. And so I might just write a little letter to figure out, like, what's going on? Like, why, why am I wanting to eat? Just to sort of get things in balance again. And usually it involves some step work and talking with my sponsor um, to get things in balance again. But, um, and it doesn't, it doesn't take long to get things back once I stop. And, and have some mm. awareness that that things are a little out of balance. So yeah, so it sounds like you're really vigilant about um, paying attention to what's going on in your life at the moment and what might be contributing to how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. I try. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be for sure. So, um, so how is your how has your life changed since you've been in OA? How are your relationships and your work life and your physical health? Um, yeah, that. Well, like I said, my uh, one of the uh, the things that I'm not proud of is that see, I was raised with physical abuse, and I ended up starting off with my son with physical abuse because I didn't know any better. Once I got into recovery and got help for that, 
um, that's never happened again. And I have a really, really good relationship with both of my children. They're 21 and 24 now. Mm-hmm. And um, a good relationship with my husband and my family. I mean, part of our process, too, is making amends for things that we've done wrong in the past. So all of my relationships have improved. So, um, and physically, you know, I've talked about that before. I, I you know, I, I, am, I am in remission. I, I'm cancer-free. Wonderful. So that's a good thing. And um, I, I take care of myself. You know, I make sure that I'm getting enough sleep and I'm going to the gym and and as I age, I find I have to eat a little bit less, which I don't always like, but <laughs> one of these factors. So, <laughs> and I just, I know that I just need to spend, I spend time, in, I spend a lot of time in the program. It's just what I choose to do. You know, I, I go to two meetings a week, and I sponsor a few people, and I'm in touch with my sponsor. So I'm doing the things I need to do to stay in recovery, because I can't take it for granted. I mean, right. I, was, I was just, I think I was a crazy woman before I got here. When, you know, when, when well, my son thank was you baby, so much, Karen. Um, we have to uh, okay. end the program. So thank you so much to Charlene and Anna and Karen for joining us today and educating us about physical recovery in a way. If you've been struggling with your weight, with eating compulsively, or with another eating disorder, check out Overeaters Anonymous. It's a different approach than what you've done in the past, and it might just give you a whole new life. Go to our website at oa.org and find a meeting, or call us at 505-891-2664. Join us next week when we'll be talking about another of the three levels of recovery, emotional recovery. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life.